Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we'll talk about some recently watched. And um, we'll probably just spoil that, too. <laughs> not to. Oh, we're going we're gonna to try not I, to. I, I'm going to try not to, but you can do what you like. Okay, well, you know what? One of mine, the spoiler is kind of uh, well known, but... Uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Apple Music or Amazon where you could buy it digitally or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon-Rays. And we're not professional critics. We are your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolion. Hello. And Will. Good morning. So, guys, since last time, uh, you, have a, you have a short list, huh, Will? Very short. Do you want to do your recently watched? Then we'll sure we'll kick I've, it to uh, Julian. I've been watching about a lot of bad '80s shows. Uh, That's kind of a redundancy, but go ahead. You know, it's sad. Uh, Murder She Wrote's one of the better of the ones we've watched. Really? Yes. You're are you like deep diving on the old stuff? Well, I wouldn't say it's a deep dive, but watch yeah. a few episodes. We've watched. Uh, Murder, she wrote. That's probably what we watched mostly. Um, then we tried uh, MacGyver. Remember MacGyver? Ooh, yeah. Again, Murder, she wrote. Looks good compared to MacGyver. <laughs> yeah. And is that the one where he jumps out of a car? No, no. MacGyver is a guy who he is a super smart secret agent, and he makes all his gadgets in the oh, field. I saw a. I've never seen it. I, of sort of Saturday Night Live where they were doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's the like same. That. Yeah. MacGruber. MacGruber. So MacGyver yeah. is what they're, okay. they're playing off of. Uh, man. Uh, <laughs> I remember one episode where they, all they had to work with were some, uh, some tools on a workbench and there was a bicycle and they filed down some uh, magnesium part of the frame and used it as an explosive. They were able to set it off. Blow. He sealed up a tank of leaking toxic waste with chocolate bars. But the person he had put the chocolate on there, she didn't have gloves or anything. I mean, you're going to get some on you, I would imagine. And, and exactly how was that supposed to work? Oh, he gave you some science. He ex- basically, the chocolate fairies come. <laughs> and they seal it for you but only if you're not looking sure sounds that way um <clears throat> that's gonna be all my scientific explanations from now on yeah it sounds sciencey mm-hmm. so yeah uh and, and that, then we tried to watch dynasty 
because it takes place in Denver. My mum loves that. Yeah. We we see a lot of pictures of Denver, at least in the pilot. But she says Dynasty, doesn't she? Yes. Okay. I've watched one episode because I heard they were going to have a flying saucer turn up. Oh, this <laughs> is randomly at the end of one of the seasons. This flying saucer comes along, and one of the women goes into it, and then they don't mention it again. Fantastic! <laughs> That's a good way to get rid of a character on the show. Well, Money Python and the Holy Grail has a flying saucer moment that just happens mm-hmm. yeah. very suddenly. Yeah, but and then they never mention it again. Right? It's like, well, that was weird. Uh, and then I watched a fantastic movie I borrowed from Jolien probably 37 years ago or something. Yeah, it's, it's on a wax cylinder. Yeah, it is. It's just a, you know, pictograph on a clay tablet. Uh, Stalker, which I had put off because it's almost three hours long. Everybody said it's really slow. Very slow. It's fantastic. Is it? Oh, my God. i got to find a copy. Man, so good. It's good to know. Yeah, it it did not drag at all. Um, uh, we even took a forty five minute break there. An intermission, if An you will. An intermission, yes. How, how is our attention span, or is it just the need of a bathroom break that she, she needed a cigarette and uh, to yeah. I don't know take a break from thinking about stalker? Yeah, which she's seen about. Half a dozen times, I think now. That makes sense. So, but uh, yeah, it's really good, and I'm sorry it took so long to watch. I haven't broken uh, Emily into Tarkovsky yet. Oh, I don't know what to start with. When Solaris, probably. I don't know. I have to see Solaris. And she can't watch Andre Rublev because the horse killing. Mm. Yeah. Could you cut that out? <laughs> Well, I know when it happens, so I can say, look away. Yeah. But. Cover your ears, look away. What I was actually. Don't look at it, Marion. What I was actually referring to when I said, where's our patience with things is, or need for bathroom break was, I was actually thinking of like when Gandhi and some other movies came out back in the day, Mm. they did do intermissions at the movie theater. Mm. Yeah. They would give you like 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, we know this is three hours long. Yeah. They started that in the 60s with those. Long roadshow films. Nice. They'd have a like a uh, introductory like overture, and mm-hmm. they'd have an entr'acte, and you'd have a break, and then yeah, for some uh, of those epics. And then and in Italy, it was like pretty standard procedure for most movies to have a cigarette break halfway through. Nice. Um, you think they'd just be able to smoke in the theaters? <laughs> Well, this well, is yeah. when they, they went out and had an official cigarette. They were smoking yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the whole time. Uh, yeah, the my hometown theater seemed to put in intermissions for really long movies. I remember mm-hmm. Braveheart and Forrest Gump both had oh, right. intermissions, which aren't in the actual movie, but the theater was like, that's long enough. You just hear the so, projector go tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And then a, a slide would come up or a card that just said intermission. When we went to see, um, they did this a reissue of 2001 mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And uh, they placed the intermission uh, just when the the astronauts have figured out that hell is up to something and they go inside the pod. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it pulls back and you realize 
it's reading their lips. And that's when the intermission came down. <laughs> oh, what's going I on? Like, I, I refused to leave my seat because I didn't know when it was going to restart. I didn't know what an intermission was. I've got to know what happens next. Yeah. It'd be nice if it had a countdown on it. So you could kind of know you could race to the popcorn stand or the bathroom. Yeah, or like theaters and things, they have a alarm, don't they? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. they would tell you you had, I think it was probably 10 minutes. Yeah. And flash the lights or something. Yeah, and then they flash lights in the, in the you know, outside in the house. So, but I highly recommend Stalker. Mm. Good to know. Um, it is fast-paced. <laughs> it's funny. It's really funny. Oh, belly laughs all the it way. It was belly laughs. Um, was it a... You'll think about it for days. Was it a hilarious romp? It was a hilarious romp <laughs> through a desolate wasteland uh wow uh great cinematography yeah it's an experience the sound mix is fantastic because there's like no real soundtrack there's no music you know i happily take the trade-off that we don't have hover cars now Mm -hmm. that we do have the tvs and the speakers Mm -hmm. that we do you know, there was a time but when har- hover cars. You know, it's Think only about the spectacular accidents. <laughs> exactly, when somebody t-bones someone and then they fall yeah. into your house. <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, wondering when people would have jetpacks and flying cars yeah. in the 21st century, and then I heard some policeman talking about it and saying, "Well, we've seen what pe- people are like with cars on the ground." Yeah, in two dimensions, we can barely handle it. Three. Yeah. Forget it. And then, you know, they've solved the whole jetpack thing, but I don't want any part of that. Was that a problem that it was needed a, solving? Well, it was a problem that <laughs> needed solving in the sense that it was thought to be like, oh, it's, it's impossible without burning your butt off or whatever. But, you know, someone came up with it. But you get someone who's lost their legs from the waist down. No problem. <laughs> yeah, they'll fly it around all day. That was it. Uh, yeah, that was it. Joy. I mean, I watched some shit on Tubi, but it's not even worth remembering. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> well, that's the best stuff. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't find anything good this nah. time around. I tried to find a winter movie, so I looked through a lot of that. Okay. And, uh... What was it showing you? Uh, the best was what I picked. Other than maybe, uh, Something's in the Barn, which I think you watched or somebody watched. Somebody I heard watched it and didn't like it. Hmm. It was Killer Elves. Spoiler. (laughs) That was always Killer Elves in the barn, but they gave it away in the trailer with their chocolate. Yeah. They uh, yeah they give it away in the trailer. They show a little elf. (laughs) Damn. "Hmm, Okay. Don't have to watch that one. (laughs) So that's it for me. Well, fair enough. Julian, you want to take it away? All right. Uh, I watched uh, It Lives Inside from last year. How was It? Have you seen? It's the killer clown. And he's living inside now. <laughs> he, he does. He's getting no out longer an, out, sewer. <laughs> an outdoor demon. Cleaned himself up, combed his hair. Yeah. Looking for a proper job. Uh, this is directed by Bishal Dutta. This is about second-generation Hindustani teens in a North American high school who are being tormented by a demon called the Pushak. 
and it falls to Samida to get back in touch with her roots and take the demon on. Cycles through tropes like a game of millennial horror bingo and the pace is sluggish. Um, you know, bathroom mirror. Oh, good. Et cetera, et cetera. All of them. Um, I miss the energy of an actual Indian film, even the ones that rip off American horror even more blatantly. Uh, points for the female leads. They're very good. And mentioning Durga, who's my favorite god. And her slaying of uh, Mahishasura. Uh, one character even uses her mace. She's got this um, like spherical head mace thing called a gutter. Mm. Um, anyway, that was all right. Uh, Dear Dead Delilah from 1972. It's a Southern Gothic written and directed by John Farris. Oh. Okay. Shortly before I did The Fury. Uh, the matriarch Delilah, played by Agnes Moorhead, oh. gathers her family at the old plantation. The new housemaid is an axe murderer, fresh out of prison. Uh, seems, to, seems to be a black comedy. Near the end, there's a decapitation that made me smile. With Michael and Sarah, TV guy called it very, very lame. <laughs> On the other hand, Psychotronic says cheap and pathetic. And the Orem Horror Film Encyclopedia says rather weak. Hmm. And I agree with all of them. Even though it had Endora from Bewitched. In yes. It. Um, creator from last year, Gareth Edwards, my old mate. Uh, visually dazzling science fiction odyssey. Did you see this one? Mm-mm. You probably saw the trailers. There's so many trailers. Uh, very familiar narrative elements. Didn't always make sense, but enjoyed looking at this world. Joshua is an agent after the ultimate weapon in a war between the US where... AI is banned, and AI-friendly Asia. Agent D- Joshua tracks the ultimate weapon, but there's an attack by the US, people around him die, and he gets caught in the shockwave of a huge explosion. Then, Agent Joshua tracks the ultimate weapon, but there's an attack by the US, people around him die, and he gets caught in the shockwave of a huge explosion. This happens several times, but as he makes the physical journey, he discovers more about the weapon himself and what he's fighting for. Feels like there's a director's cut waiting to happen, especially in the last act, but I was told the same thing about his Godzilla. Um, by the way, both Creator and Godzilla Minus One were nominated for Special Effects Oscars this year. Wow. Um, this one stars John David Washington, Ken Watanabe, and Gemma Chan. Okay. Um, Woman in Hiding, 1950, Michael Gordon. Noir. See this one? Sounds familiar. Um... Starts off all high-key glossy, but pretty soon you get murder, betrayal, and paranoia piling up, and the climax relies on things being really dark. Actually, the beginning's a lot like Carnival of Souls. Um, Ida Lupino's car crashes off a bridge into a river, and uh, while they're dredging for her body, she narrates the story of being a mill owner who's on the hit list of her new husband. This also has uh, Stephen McNally, Howard Duff, and Peggy Dow from uh, Harvey. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Yummy from 2019. And it's directed by Lars Damoiseau. This is uh, 88 Minutes zombie Perfect. movie. Belgian Zomcom. About a woman with unfeasibly large breasts who goes to an East European clinic for a reduction. But the senior staff have been trying out a new rejuvenation treatment and much goriness ensues. Well done, and if nothing else, worth watching for the penis scene. It's on Shudder. <laughs> well, all right. It's called Yummy. Yummy. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's from last year, directed by Emma Tammy. 
Uh, same story as Willy's Wonderland, which had Nicolas Cage and was quite fun. Uh, this one's a slog. Emily thought it was fun. Um, don't know what happens to the aunt character. She just, kind of just appears. Yeah. UFO came and picked her up. Yeah. Never Cho- chocolate elves took her away. Chocolate elves in a UFO. That's what I'm going to tell the cops if I ever have to give a statement. <laughs> Uh, the Man Who Laughs from 1928, Paul Lenny, ah. who directed uh, Waxworks and the Cat and the Canary. Uh, stars Conrad Veidt mm-hmm. from, from The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mary Philbin from Phantom of the Opera. And Olga Baklanova from Freaks. Uh, this is the third film version of the Victor Hugo novel. A band of gypsies who specialize in deforming children uh, gets hold of a kid named Gwynplaine, who's given a permanent grimace. Excellent filmmaking and performances, not horror. He's uh, he's kind of he's treated sympathetically or as something to laugh at instead of being a object of terror. Yeah. But it's got so much imagery you'll recognise from horror movies to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen this one? Yeah, I've seen this one. Uh, special makeup by Jack Pierce. Excellent restoration on Blu-ray. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, okay, and then. Captain Kidd from 1945. Pretty low on budget and action, but a good yarn of a cunning crew all out to get each other. Stars Charles Lawton as Kidd, Randolph Scott, Barbara Britton, Gilbert Roland, Henry Daniel as King William III, and of course, John Carradine. Of course. Uh, the Glass Cage from 1964, directed by Antonio Santian, who directed Viva Knievel. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. seventy-seven. Uh, this is very low budget, but at its best, it's amazing. It's like if uh, George Romero or Herc Harvey's first films had been a noir instead of horror. Uh, at its worst, it seems indifferent. So uh, if you can see the sound mic or even the top of the set, including the lights. Oh, man. Um, but maybe that was the director being avant-garde or meta or something. Uh, a man is shot and falls through a fire escape in San Francisco. The apartment he fell from is occupied by the virginal Ellen, whose sister is the icy Ruth. Detectives are played by John Hoyt and Bob Kelgen, and they investigate. If you haven't guessed the big twist yet, this might be your first noir. <laughs> uh, there's a sleazy artist living next door, played by King Moody, who was in uh, Teenagers from Outer Space. And oh, there's a yes. mysterious figure with a cane who haunts Ellen's nightmares, who's played by Elijah Cook Jr. Ah. The nightmare scene is great. Uh, Ellen gets stalked in the cage-like interior of the Bradbury building. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a meaty role for Arlene Martel, who is in tons of TV, including playing Spock's wife, T'Pring. T'Pring. Uh, Honeymoon of Terror, a.k.a. Ecstasy on Lover's Island. Ooh, okay. From 1961. Directed by Peter Perry Jr., who you all remember for directing My Tale is Hot. Uh, cute newlyweds go to Vegas and then up to a lake in the mountains with a deserted island in the middle. The husband soon leaves to get some gear and the wife gets chased around the beach by a lumberjack who's gone loco. That's it. Uh, I was never bored, though. Uh, the photography and direction isn't bad at all and the location's interesting. 60 minutes. Well, perfect. Is, is there a shortage of lumberjacks gone mad movies? Or do we have just the right amount? We have just the right amount. Being that there's one out there. Yeah. I mean, is it? could this be explored further? Uh, I bet if we looked, we could find more than than the one. Probably, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, the, uh, that story I was told at scout camp by the uh, the adults. They told this like 
ghostly lumberjack story that oh that's great terrified us that was good <laughs> um and then i watched uh panico from last year directed by uh, simone safidi um enjoyable documentary about dario argento pretty thin uh most of the material on the filmmaking is clips from earlier documentaries uh feels more like an extended fluff piece dvd extra than an exploration but uh the best thing about it is you get to see his daughters and his sister um on camera talking and it did make me want to rewatch all the films yes so i go. thought it was a new argento film <laughs> for a second when i right. saw it come up i was like I've not heard of this one mm-hmm. what is is this going to be new and maybe terrible <laughs> the worst thing you've ever seen <laughs> but uh no uh, was that it for your list yeah. okay um, this, I guess, should count. Um, I did watch probably about eight or ten videos on the YouTube channel for uh, American Giants, which this is a guy um, who who goes around the country and visits different what what are called muffler men, which is hilarious that I was calling the the local drug dealer with the loud car the muffler man. Uh, a muffler man is actually one of those giant fiberglass statues of either a mechanic or a lumberjack. They're generically called that because the original ones were um, holding a muffler. And um, sorry, it's okay. What do you mean by a muffler in this case? Oh, I'm sorry, a, a exhaust pipe oh, situation. Okay. One of those, right? Wrap around your neck. <clears throat> so, so the way their hands are positioned, they could either hold an axe. Or a muffler. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a guy who who goes around and he visits these roadside attractions, as they're also known. Uh, but he he rescues them, collects them, restores them, whatever you want to call it. And sometimes he'll resell them, or or he'll do the work for hire. But he does have some of them himself, best I could tell. But there's a collection of them that were offered in the '60s. Uh, for different businesses. They could buy the woman in a bikini or a dress. Um, and they could buy the, the guy with a beard holding, you know, either an ax or a muffler or something else. And then there were other companies that made other ones. Like there was a guy holding some groceries who could be out in front big of a big cigarette. Yeah. Big cigarettes. <laughs> it was the sixties. Yeah. Well, you know, they, even before the sixties, they had, People wearing cigarette costumes, dancing. Oh, yeah. Old gold. For a long time. I think it was old gold cigarettes. Yeah. Dancing cigarettes. I think that's hilarious. So, um, and, and you know, Ziggy's dad, Jim, you've met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owns a Bob's Big Boy. Does he? He does. I don't know if I've ever told you guys that. It's in their front yard. Wow. Uh, the base that he screwed it down to, he used like 12 different types of screws. So somebody would have to be out there with a whole set of bits <laughs> to be able to unscrew it and steal it. <laughs> because, you know, somebody's going to be like, hey, mm-hmm. can we steal that? Teenagers. That's all, that's all. That's all you need to know, right? Um, but I, I recommend the American Giants YouTube channel. There's some really interesting uh, outings. The guy Giant Americans? On. Yeah. They are. They are. Do they spawn any? <laughs> they down they find plenty of them. Did you have in any of those where you grew up, or where mm. you traveled to? Uh, we had the Sparky guy. Did you ever see him? He was mm. like, uh, not sure. Ready, bought, or 
kilowatt or whatever. Oh. The electric company. You had a giant one of those? Yeah, it was like I, a yeah. robot somebody made. Yeah, with a little bulb nose. Yeah. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, there was a um, uh, Alfred E. Newman-looking character that was offered as, as one of the fiberglass giants. Yeah. Looked just like him. He's an earlier design, though. Yeah. He predates Mad Magazine. Yeah, that, I found that like out. Like 50 years or so. Yeah. Not longer. Yeah, he was just this goofy character on postcards and stuff. Yeah, I only found that out in the last few years. Uh, it's interesting, though. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, this is it's a fun watch, you know, just seeing somebody going. And it's like, well, they said it was here. And, you know, once in a while they'll find, like, something that's missing some hands or feet or whatever. Uh, aside from that, let's see. Uh, believe it or not, you guys, um, I watched something called JFK Assassination, The Oval Office to Dealey Plaza. Mm-hmm. This just came out last year. Um, you're not going to be surprised to know that there's really not a lot new being said. What? Because out of the 20 or so documentaries I've watched, it's all been covered. It really has. Um, I like to get different points of view on some of the aspects of the assassination. But the deeper you dig, the more crazy it gets. And I'm not just saying because crazy people think crazy things. You find out things about like what Oswald had going on in his military career, his short military career, or his attempted defection to Russia, or his, I guess he did defect, but he was allowed right back in. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and here's a bunch of money to get started over. Uh, to have used a crappy rifle with a really not great shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you were on that sixth floor shooting at Kennedy, and I, and I don't, I won't get into. I promise, I won't get in too deep. He's approaching you. He's approaching you. You got a perfect shot to kill him. He turns the curve and starts heading away from you. That's the. That's not the shot you want to try to take. But here's a mediocre at best marksman with a crappy rifle. Absolutely. The Manlicher Carcano, this Italian rifle, is garbage. Um, An Italian rifle is garbage? Why? <laughs> the Italians call it the <laughs> weapon of love because you can't really <laughs> kill anyone with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's well known that he was at work during the daylight hours and had no car. And of all the shooting ranges in the area, he had not been to them. He had not been practicing. So you'd have to have a lot of practice with this crappy rifle to be a good shot with it and to improve your already bad skills. So things like that, it all starts to add up to like, well, yeah, it's hard to believe if he did have a part in this, that he was the only one who did. I think there were at least one, you know, there, there was at least one, if not two other shooters. Uh, I, I do believe this for what I think are pretty solid reasons. Um, now let's look at Jack Ruby, for example. Okay. He was so upset that Jackie would have to put up with the trial of, of Lee Harvey Oswald that he just shows up and shoots him in the guts. Mm-hmm. And does a really good job of messing him up. Like mm-hmm. that one bullet went through all kinds of stuff. That was the magic bullet of this story, not the other yeah. one. Um, if he was such a big fan, why wasn't he at the parade? He wasn't. Why not? 
big fan. Didn't think to show up. Okay. He was too busy setting up the strip club. Yeah. And you got to get in there early and start getting those tacos made for Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Sweet. Even though it was a Friday. <laughs> Sweep up all the confetti from the night before. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Load the confetti cannons with new confetti. You got to you got to clean out the go-go cage. <laughs> got to polish the cymbals on the drum set. Got the yeah. newspaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pick up the newspaper, put new newspaper down, <laughs> fill the seed bell thing. <laughs> right. Fill the little water thing that they drink out of. Yeah, there's it, go, it well honestly, it goes on and on to to some rabbit holes that you wouldn't even believe if i don't know how will have you gotten into it julian i, I think you yeah. told me you didn't but I've, yeah of course i've got enough about it. it but I, I know that i'm never gonna know what actually happened so. oh i absolutely know i won't know what happened so i can i can understand going down those rabbit holes with it. well when you when you find out that there there were operatives in town and you find out that people who inserted themselves into Oswald's life or who were involved in some other way with the assassination, um, that they had connections, uh, whether it was the mafia or the CIA or what have you, uh, give you an example, the building right next to the school book depository, the Daltex building was a better building to be shooting from. Like if you were on the second or third floor of that building, uh, with the same shot Oswald had with a good rifle, uh, you probably could have done it. But um, there was a guy who was was known to be uh, some sort of assassin, some sort of an operative, who was stopped by the police because uh, somebody working at the building said, this guy came in, he's not authorized, he doesn't work here. So he was actually arrested. And it's like, well... If anybody, maybe he's a better candidate for the actual shooting. So, again, that's one of dozens of crazy things. Uh, and it's not like, oh, somebody said that this happened. No, there's police records. This did happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy had previous arrests for other crazy stuff. Which Was is this Woody Harrelson's dad? No. Okay. But Woody Harrelson's dad was one of the quote-unquote three tramps. Yes. Oh my God! Treat the three tramps down at the train yard. Yeah, who who all had nice shoes and clean clothes, and they were shaven, and they, yeah, they didn't really look like they hopped out of a boxcar. Real weird stuff. So that's as much crazy as I'm going to unfurl right now. But this movie we could go on for hours. You know what? There are people who have podcasts that are hundreds of episodes <laughs> that are no closer to solving it, mm-hmm. but they share a lot with you that. Uh, I won't let it drive me crazy, but I will say that the more you talk about it, the crazier it sounds because it is crazy. Yeah. Everything surrounding that case is just bananas. You know, uh, again, like I said, I don't want to go further into it. Uh, so that's really for recently watched. That's it for me. Um, and we watched a little something called I Trapped the Devil. Yes, did we, we did. Yes. <laughs> did we watch that? Yes. Um, you watched it twice. I've seen it twice. You, you have seen it, but did you watch it? I did not watch it, evidently. Why did you watch it twice? Well, I watched it sometime in the past, and it was so good. 
I couldn't remember a thing about it until I started watching it this time and then something about 10, 15 minutes in, I realized, oh, I've seen this. Because before that, it was like, this seems vaguely familiar, mm. but it could just be horror movie tropes. And then I don't remember what it was now, but there was some scene. It's like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. I don't remember what happens, but I know I've seen this. Right. And, uh, yeah, I watched it again, and now I no longer remember what happened. <laughs> so it's been more than a couple weeks. Well, now we have a record that we've all seen it. So all right. Consult it. Okay. So we've that. all seen it. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Recommends. Yeah. yeah, totally. You you all should watch it two three times. Yeah. Um. Do you want me to read a brief synopsis from IFC Midnight? Please. Okay. Christmas is supposed to be a time of peace and joyful family reunions, but when Matt and his wife Karen show up unannounced at the home of his estranged brother, Steve, to celebrate the holidays, they are instead greeted with a horrifying surprise. Trapped in the basement is a man, but not just any man. Steve believes that his hostage is none other than the devil himself. Okay, Steve. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would love it if, like, Alice Cooper or Rob Zombie played the devil in this. Um. Uh, I kind of want to just read the goofs. <laughs> you know what? Jump right in with that. Okay, goofs. well, let's start with the one piece. Of, well, there's more pre- more pieces of trivia than this one. The film was shot entirely in eight days. <laughs> I'm surprised they took that long. Um, let's see. Um, okay, let's see. One other. Um, how, how long did it take to write it, though? Uh, probably a solid two, three days, right? couple hours on the way to the filming they Uh, made it up on the way on the fly just the font on the poster is most commonly used by stephen king on his book covers oh what Uh, what font is that uh i don't know spooky yeah spooky type it's called kingerly i don't know um (laughs) the the pot the plot borrows heavily and this is why it felt familiar heavily Heavily from the Twilight Zone episode, The Howling Man. Yes, mm-hmm. that was a uh, 1959 story by Charles Beaumont, which was adapted for the Twilight Zone in 1960 with John Carradine, of course. Oh, boring. <laughs> uh, about a man who's uh, locked in a castle who's allegedly the devil. Ah. This source says it uh, was based on a short by Richard Matheson. Probably. That's Charles Beaumont. Okay, so maybe it might it was have been adapted for the TV by by Matheson. Matheson. Yeah. That sounds more like it because he did do adap- adaptations. Um, so the goofs, should we go to the goofs? Yeah, everybody okay. watch this twice. <clears throat> I think uh, you could have a drinking game, do a Christmas wassail every time a character says something, then the other character says what, <laughs> and then the first character go- goes and repeats themselves. What? Yeah, it happens so often. Oh, that's yes. crazy. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, it looks like they only have one goof. One why, goof. Why did it say goofs? Plural. Let's jump back and make sure I didn't go through the wrong link here. No, it's just one goof. They're just going to oh, call it goofs because that's the heading for all of them. Oh, man. I, want, I wanted more goofs. Um, well, in the goof category... Uh, there are two padlocks and a sliding door on the door to the basement. The padlocks are locked, so you need keys. 
When they go to open it, it happens off screen. You hear three lock turning sounds without using keys for the padlocks. And then the next time you see the door when it's opening, the padlocks have disappeared, as did the metal parts that are supposed to be fastened to the door. That's uh, almost exciting as the movie itself. <laughs> it seems a little nitpicky, but okay. Like yeah. When they're, they're, they're starting to believe that it's the devil in the, <clears throat> the basement, and uh, one of them says, how does this even happen? And the guy goes, that's not important. And then they move on to something else. It kind of is. It kind of is. How does this happen? Yeah. It would have been okay if you didn't point that out. Here's a shovel. <clears throat> Let's bury the headline. Um, this was directed, written, and produced by Josh Lobo. Uh, do you think that's a made-up name? The Josh part, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably James Lobo. Or, he also edited Rudy it. Lobo. Rio Lobo. Rio Lobo, yeah. <laughs> Los Lobo? Yes. Go ahead, Julian. Sorry. He also edited it. Oh. oh, oh! I didn't scroll down far enough. Edited by Josh Lobo. Um, I wonder if he did the titles. No, Stephen King. Stephen <laughs> right. King. Yes. Yeah, they're friends. Um, Eighty-two minutes. Mm-hmm. But somehow doesn't work for you. What? What could happen? Oh, what's a what's a better way to ask this question? Um, what did they get wrong? What? I really cannot remember much of this movie. Okay. That is how good it is. Did you feel? Do you do you do you recall feeling uh, suspense, dread? Mm, no. Did you believe the main character was actually just bananas, mm. and that he just locked up like some Amazon delivery guy or something, moved the truck? Not really, but I didn't believe anything about these people. So the most I would say is this could be a good idea for a low-budget horror film, but like we watched the shed, yeah, where they had a vampire locked in a shed. Yeah, I think that was better than this. Yeah, that was better than this. The Twilight Zone episode's much better than this. Typically, yeah, and works in twenty minutes or so because. Uh, there's can, not much there yeah because like the there's basically people talking about something that you can't see yeah um the, the, you know there's little of visual interest when in the original story it's in the castle yeah you've got these this sect of monks and so on there's something visually interesting going on but this one yeah this one's you're in a dingy little like house ordinary looking people in a dingy house yeah it was kind of boring. None of them had anything very interesting to say. They mm. Did we find out what exactly went wrong? Did the parents die and the brother just took over the house? Is that kind of what no, happened? In- inherited the devil. Yeah, he inherited the <laughs> devil. Son, <laughs> we're leaving the devil to you. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um, yeah, it's it's not... Okay, it's not something that can't work. It it doesn't because I, I don't know if I really believe I don't know if I believe the um the psychic, you know, messing with that the devil's doing, like driving people mad with his voice or whatever. And then he can change if he wants. 
because like here's the big spoiler by the end of it he turns himself into a little girl and just kind of skips away um i mean if he made himself into like a teen that might really upset the people and they'd be like dude it's a kid let him out yeah this is the kind of movie where i you know i think if if they were to create the suspense build the dread um execute a few little zingers where you know people doubt themselves these kinds of things you know if, if these tools were used and put in the, the right places this could have been interesting it could have been at least um you know above average average or above average <clears throat> yeah average or above uh but i kind of feel like this one didn't really really didn't hit the uh all the notes didn't check the boxes didn't execute it in a way that made you care invest your emotions feelings or thoughts into it yeah it it just i couldn't really tell you how much it would take to make it work but it, but it didn't work for me um which is unfortunate because i think it's it's a premise we've only seen a few times. Um, the twilight zone episode and, uh, the shed. I can't think of too many other ones. I mean, there's always things where somebody's been locked up, but very seldom is it something supernatural. There was an episode of Barney Miller. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember this one where the guy was pretty sure he was a werewolf. Oh, okay. And it was the night of a full moon. I think he got himself arrested on purpose. Okay. And, uh, it might have been a Halloween episode, but I think the people, you know, the guys at the precinct were probably starting to uh, believe it was possible. At least a couple of them were starting to worry a little bit. And the guy was just goofy. <laughs> no. They didn't have a werewolf on Barney Miller? That would have been great. <laughs> they had a great baseline at the beginning of the theme, though. They did have though. a great baseline. Yeah. And a great set that looked like a play. It, did. it totally did. Have you ever watched the show, Julian? No. It was a, it's it was a funny cop show. It was a police sitcom from the seventies into the eighties. Uh, early? No, I think it was late early seventies. Was it? Yeah, I think it was hmm. only early mid seventies. I don't think it lasted to the eighties. Hmm. Abe Vigoda was in it. Yeah. What a giant step down Fish. from The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Jolien, do you have any suggestions for this movie? Like, what could have made it better, um, or make it work? If this was a yeah twenty minute TV episode, or you could do it as a stage play, if you had you know characters you cared about and yeah witty you know sharp dialogue. Yeah, you could do that. I think uh, see, see their see their personalities degenerate, or yeah, them being not being able to handle reality shifting around them. I almost think they should discover the devil rather than the brothers spending half the movie telling them about it. Mm -hmm. And that might add a little more like your brother's got someone locked in the basement. Yeah. And then do we trust the brother? Who's this guy down there? They could talk to him. He could, you know, I don't know. Anything, I guess is the answer. (laughs) They could have done anything. (laughs) It seemed like if I remember correctly, he had the history of being a bit of a loser. Or had done something stupid in his life. But um, maybe it would work better if he 
didn't have like that kind of doubt around him. I took it as he was the kid who stuck around and his brother was the one who left. But yeah, I, I, uh, so I don't know which one of them did something wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt like he, he stuck around or came back to the, the, um, the family home because he needed to have the security that he didn't have that he could provide provide for himself. Okay. That's what I picked up as I remember, but we wa- like we all watched this like a week ago or more. Um I don't know, man. Uh it doesn't work for me. I I can agree with the idea that it, it's better as a short or an episode of something. But um that being said, should we do the recommends? Yes. <laughs> do we need to do the recommends? No. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a big fat no. No. Jolien? Nah. No. No? Yeah, that I haven't recommended it to anyone uh, other than making you guys watch it, which wasn't really a recommend. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a no. Um, I would like to see... Uh, I don't know, man. I, I would like to see Josh Lobo try again. Just give it a shot, dude. This, this didn't really work, but I'd like to see another effort. But this came out like four years or three years ago, something like that. 2019. Yeah. It felt like a COVID movie, though. Mm. Like such a limited cast and one little set. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. If you're in the Wikipedia page, Josh Lobo is not clickable as a blue link. So it doesn't go off to his own page. Because I was kind of curious, like, should we find out if he's got anything in production? It's like, I, I trapped the devil too, hmm. but I did not trap the deputy. <laughs> yes. Uh, I ran with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> You've ever listened to Running with the Devil minus the instruments where it's just David Lee Roth? <laughs> it's something else. Maybe we should outro with that. Maybe I'll see if I can get mm-hmm. that yeah, outro with just David Lee Roth doing all the, mm, ah, yeah. <laughs> Of course, a lot of, you know, if you isolate just the vocals from a lot of musicians, it's just going to sound ridiculous. But uh, David Lee Roth especially. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. And this this episode's not going to quite make it to an hour because this movie... Oh, boy. Because this movie was only 82 minutes long. Darn. Shall we uh, call it a show? I don't know. How long do we have till an hour? Oh, like another 10 minutes. Let's just sit here. <clears throat> yeah, just we, run out the tape. Yeah. Well, Maybe we'll mention things once in a while. Like, did you hand me the tag along? Do you want another? <laughs> hey, story you can so read. I was thinking about. <laughs> you know, this is, this is, you know, we could just wrap it up, but, but let me ask you this. Uh, for the next, I don't know, week, two weeks, I don't know how long it lasts. Every time you go to the grocery store, those little terrorists in their uniforms are out there selling cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, do you buy Girl Scout cookies more than once just because you feel like, oh, I should, or because you really like them? No, I find if you snatch them off the table, you can usually outrun both the girls and their mom. <laughs> <laughs> just snatch them and then flip the table. Yeah. <laughs> Boy Scouts say, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Double the butter. <laughs> yeah. You ever see that King of the Hill episode? Mm-hmm. Bobby's putting them out of business because he uses double the butter. 
which unfortunately would make terrible cookies because they just yeah melt all over the tray. Yeah, but in a cartoon it works. Yeah. Now I, I've bought probably enough once, and then bought like one or two boxes like three more times just mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's like I want to be supportive, and they. Not that they look pathetic. They they got like all these empty fucking cases behind them. They're selling a lot. Yeah, they're, they're sitting on furniture made out of money. Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> There's like this limo idling waiting for them to finish. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 big money. Right next door to the dispensary. You know, there were some stories about that. Oh yeah, they, they did sell up in front of dispensaries. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, you got a built-in audience. Cash. Yeah, and cash. I think bootlegging some cookies and then getting paid in cash would be like a good side hustle for these Girl kids. Girl Scouts with two R's. Girl Scouts, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking gangsters. I don't think these are up to snuff. <laughs> sure they are. You're going to buy two of those. Yeah, double yeah. the buy. Yeah. Well, I would say with the theme music, it gets us close to an hour. Should we call it a show? All right. Just play the outro, David Lee Roth, twice. Well, you know what? I would say if we we do the outro with David Lee Roth, uh, that that would probably... could also speak slower. Uh, That's true. But then people could also play this at half speed. Oh. Then we just sound drunk. They could, yeah. Well, they could play it at uh, twice the speed, and we'd sound normal, perhaps. I hope there's no fans of this movie listening to this episode going, "You guys are dicks." That was a good movie. Who cares? <laughs> good point. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. You know, uh, yeah. Ain't got nobody waiting at home. Ah, uh. oh, yes. Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm running. Ah, yeah. No love you'd call real. I live my life like there's no tomorrow. And all I've got, I had to steal. Least I don't need to beg or borrow. Yes, I'm living at a pace that kills. Hi, hi, yeah. Ooh, yeah. God damn it, baby, no, I ain't lying to you. I'm only gonna tell you one time. Ah!